0: Hey detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, the podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew Files. I'm your host Teagues and in this episode we cover book number 32, High Marks for Malice. Hi, detective. We're here. We've made it to book number 32, High Marks for Malice. This book was released in February 1989. And as always, we start off with some things that happened in February 1989, which include five centimeters of snow falling in the outskirts of Los Angeles. Uh, This kind of reminds me of the snowstorm that we had recently in Texas. It's like just these places that don't usually get snow getting snow. I know that Texas had a lot more snow than five centimetres, but still it's always weird to see snow outside of its usual places It'll be like if Melbourne got snow, we usually get like a really light dusting, like as soon as it hits the ground, it disappears. But if Melbourne got some snow, that would be like mind blowing and like crazy and be like, oh my gosh, snow. And it'll probably cause the entire city to stop as well. Also in February 1989, we had the first 24 GPS satellites put into orbit. I use GPS so much, and to think that we've only had it for, what, the last 30 years. I feel sorry for my parents, my grandparents, who had to, you know, use an old school map. Not like, Well, I don't really feel sorry for them because I love maps, but it's just so much convenient to have a GPS, especially when... Oh whatever! I will stop rambling. Uh, the top song on the Billboard charts was "Straight Up" by Paula Abdul, and Ted and Bill, Bill and Ted's rather excellent adventure was released in cinemas. The cover of High Marks for Mellus is super cute. Like Nancy is wearing jeans and uh, a, a winter sweater it's uh I know they've got like a proper name but it's like an ugly Christmas sweater but it's not a ugly Christmas sweater it's just like a knitted sweater which is white with blue and pink and her hair looks wonderful and she just looks super cute and I love this outfit and then we've got a guy in the background I'm going to assume it's Ned who is also wearing jeans and a Christmas sweater, that's not actually a Christmas sweater with red and peach stripes on it. Mm, He looks very, very attractive, I must say in this cover. And like usual in the background, we've got the action scene. And in this particular case, it's Ned and Nancy and they're in the dark holding a torch, which is shining on a body. Finding a body is never fun. So let's get straight into the book. So Ned and Nancy have headed into Maryland to visit a College, not a real college. And it's a super, super fancy looking college. They've been invited there by an old school friend of Ned's called Line. We know that this college is fancy because they say that it looks like a resort and that they have Mercedes and Jaguars in the car park. Ned's the one driving and we still don't know what kind of car Ned has, but at least we know now that it's not a Mercedes or a Jag because he says that if he was to go to this school, he would have to get a better car. Ned's a bit jealous because Lion kept on insisting that he bring Nancy to the school to introduce uh, her to him and Ned's all like oh no like you two would be like the perfect couple he's like the most smartest guy in school and you're beautiful and Ned just being his usual insecure self but he just really needs to put some trust in Nancy. I'm willing to assume that he insisted that Ned bring Nancy because she's a private detective and he's got a case that he needs her help with and yeah which would have been better if he just straight up said hey yo bring your girlfriend because i need a help with a case instead of just being like oh bro i support you and your girlfriend she seems great bring her up i'd love to meet her like why can't he just be honest and say yeah i need her help i'm sure nancy would have been more than willing to help ned's checking out nancy's legs which are on display complemented by her short navy skirt and some calf hugging boots Ned also tells Nancy that Lion is what Beth would call a heartthrob and again Nancy reassures Ned saying that her and Bess have different tastes in men and that she's only got eyes for Ned. And we also know that it's just past Christmas because Nancy's wearing like a, a perfume that George purchased for her for Christmas. They head off to meet Lion at the bell tower where he said that he would meet them at 4 p.m. They admire the school as they walk to the bell tower and Nancy's surprised that she hasn't heard of the school before. Ned informs her that they don't advertise because Bassin students enroll in the school as soon as they're born. Lion's family have deep connections to the school. It turns out his father went to Bassin and so did his grandfather who paid for one of the dorms to be built. All, well, the majority of the students are rich but they don't care about the money. It's more about the emphasis on grades and that you need to maintain a grade better than C plus or you are gone. The school's mostly empty at this time because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's and Nancy's wondering why Lyon didn't go home for the holidays. And it turns out he didn't go home because his mother has passed away and his dad is in Hong Kong. So he figured he'd stay and get some extra work done. We also learn that Lion's father owns Sheffield's Computers, which is like a huge computer company. I would say it's like the equivalent of IBM back in the day. They arrive at the Bell Tower, which is described as being absolutely beautiful. Its walls are covered with ivy and at the top of the tower is a golden roof with a statue of an angel poised as if it was ready to take flight. And there was also a small, tiny stone chapel attached to the tower surrounded by thick vegetation, which is flourishing even in the dead of winter. The bell chimes four and line isn't there. And Ned's getting really like agitated, I guess, because line is never late. And Nancy's like, oh, don't worry about it. This is more time for like kisses and stuff. And they witness a spectacular sunset, which just sounds beautiful but 15 minutes later, he's still not there and Ned's getting even more stressed. Ned figures that Lyne has forgotten about the meeting and he goes to see Lyne's girlfriend, Cassandra, to find out where Lyne is. Cassandra says that she will give Lyne a call and then come down and meet Nancy and Ned and let them know. She arrives five minutes later. She's a tall redhead. And she's wearing an electric blue leotard and matching tights, which reveal her perfect figure. I love how uh, late 80s, early 90s that exercise outfit is. These days, it would be like yoga pant- high-waisted yoga pants in a crop top. <laughs> anyway she's quite cold to nancy and asks where the bags are and nancy said oh we left them in the car because we didn't expect to be coming straight here we wanted to meet up with Lion first and cassandra was like oh that's cool i thought you would change your mind but yeah she's very acting very very cold towards nancy for no particular reason the three of them head back to the bell tower to go and wait for Lion because surely he's there by now and he's waiting for them They arrive, however, he is not there. Nancy notices something poking out from underneath a bush and pulls out her pen light. She shines it on the ground only to see none other than line. He looks dead and Cassandra rushes over and starts freaking out and Nancy's saying, no, no, don't move him. And Cassandra's all like, it doesn't matter, he's dead but then suddenly a groan of pain escapes his mouth and they call an ambulance. While waiting for the ambulance, Lion doesn't say much except for, Nancy, where's Nancy? And Nancy's like, I'm here, I'm here. And he manages to get out, check, fish tank, important, man buried, fish tank, before going unconscious again. The ambulance arrive and he is rushed to the hospital and Cassandra is angry that he asked for Nancy and not anybody. While Ned, Nancy and Cassandra wait in the emergency room for the prognosis, the school's register, Mr. Chapin, arrives as well. Suddenly, Dr. Garrison comes out and tells the group the prognosis. It turns out that he's in a coma. He has a few fractures, his left leg, wrist and ribs. And Mr. Chapton asks if they could talk about Lynn in private, Line rather, in private. However, the doctor was like, no, these teens found the man very quickly and acted responsibly. And if they didn't, he could be dead by now. Ned tells the doctor that he is the closest thing to family Line has here since Line's dad is in hong kong the doctor tells everybody that lines injuries are consistent with a fall and nancy's like oh the bell tower we found him at the bottom of the bell tower mr chapman butts in and says oh this happens every year someone tries to climb up there remove the angel statue and then falls Cassandra says, no, Lyon wouldn't do a stupid prank like that. It's just not possible. And Dr. Chapman's just being really, really rude and saying, you probably don't know your friend as well as you think you do. Um, I don't know, Mr. Chapman, how well do you know every single student in the school? And why are you here as well? Like, what's it like what is a register? I'm going to like Google this. Okay, so they're basically a recruitment agent for a school and they help with the enrollment process, which makes sense, register. Like, yeah, anyway, like, why does he care so much about this kid? It seems sus. Anyway, he tells the doctor to let him know immediately if there's any change in Lyon's condition, hands him a card, and then leaves. The group asks for visiting hours, and the doctor says, oh, sorry, it can only be immediate family, but since Lyon doesn't have any family, then here are the visiting hours and please note that he's going to intensive care. Oh, okay, so his situation is deteriorating. And then before dr garrison leaves he asks the group which one is nancy nancy raises her hand and he says oh line was asking for you by the way just thought you should know again this makes cassandra very angry why is line asking for nancy and not his girlfriend or even ned for that matter cassandra is like really really mad at nancy tells her that she can still stay with her. he's the room key. Um, and that she's going to walk home from the hospital. So yeah, I don't, I don't blame Cassandra for being mad. It's clearly she thinks that line and Nancy have a thing going on and she feels neglected. After Cassandra leaves, Nancy mentions this to Ned and Ned says, no, they're not a couple. They're only cl- classmates and coworkers. Ned and Nancy head to Line's apartment to have some food and wait for Cassandra to calm down because Nancy doesn't want to get to Cassandra's dorm before she does. However, as soon as they walk into Line's room, a black gloved hand grabs Nancy and throws her into the darkness. Nancy grabs at her attacker and finds that he has a beard. She grabs the beard as hard as she can, which causes the attacker to squeal and then run away in pain. Once they gather themselves, they turn on the light and they discover that Lyon's computer and surrounding area is in disarray. There's printer pages everywhere, diskettes out of their cases. I oh, remember like disks. This is such a throwback to the past. And uh, like the paper is like that old school printer paper, you know, the ones that have like the holes in the side and they kind of have a, what's that word? It starts with P, uh, I can't remember where it's like zigzags. Yeah, (laughs) anyway, um, yeah, the Lions computer area is just an absolute mess. And they realized that the intruder in the room was looking for something specific but they don't know what it could be. So this is a bit weird. We find Line unconscious and then all of a sudden there's an intruder in his room looking for something to do with his computer. Suddenly Ned remembers that Line had written to him telling him that he was working as a teacher's assistant. And Nancy finds that a bit weird, but it turns out that one of the teachers suddenly died and he took over. But Nancy's still like, why is a junior a teaching assistant? And it turns Turns out that he was really, really, really smart and that he was putting together computers while Ned was building skyscrapers out of wooden blocks. Now, this sentence really stood out to me. Do we actually know what Ned studies at college? I thought he just went to college and played sport. But this skyscraper out of wooden blocks comments makes me believe that he's studying engineering. Like, Yeah, if anyone actually knows what he's studying or if I've missed it in one of the books, let me know. I just feel dumbfounded by this and never really thought about it. Ned theorizes that this person was looking for the final exam and that explains why the computer is in disarray. Nancy quickly shuts that down and says, oh, aren't finals given before Christmas? What's the point of having an exam after the test has been taken. And Ned's like, oh yeah, good point. Nancy, Nancy, always on the ball. Like she's not even a student. Ned should know that finals are given before Christmas. (sighs) Anyway, while waiting for the police arrive, they find a box of saltwater taffy and Nancy wants to eat some because she is starving. I guess it's late and they still haven't eaten. Ned's like, hang on a second, taffy, where is it? and Nancy says oh it's under the tree and he said oh we used to be nuts about this stuff I wasn't supposed to eat it because I wore braces and there we go I never knew that Ned wore braces back then but there's a new fun fact about Ned's past and Nancy's like okay well that's cool you don't wear braces now you can eat it but he's like no no we only ate this stuff when something bad happened And then Ned gives an example how Lion brought some over the day before his dog was meant to be put down. And Ned says, okay, Lion's left this box out for me for a clue. So, okay, this seems a bit wild, but I guess if, you know, friends are that close, you can leave these subtle clues and the other one would pick up on it. And Ned was right. They look inside the box and there is a piece of paper with a computer command line on it. However, Ned doesn't recognize the computer or programming language rather. Now, remember, this is in the late 80s. Yes, computers were very, very popular then, but I don't think someone who was doing an engineering degree would be familiar with a programming language, but I'm just going to let this slide. I don't know what subjects Ned is taking at school. Like I said, I thought he only did sport, but I guess if I really think about it, they do have to do academic subjects as well. Looking around more, they pick up a book and then suddenly a note flies out. It's all these coincidences in these books that just drive me a little bit crazy. It's like, how do they get so lucky The note reads, mind your own business, or we'll mess you up so bad you won't live to mess with your computer. Okay, so that means that this accident at the bell tower could mean that he was actually pushed because they said that he wouldn't be dumb enough to, you know, do a prank and fall. But being pushed makes absolute perfect sense, especially after finding this threatening note. Ned's finally put two and two together and says, Line was in trouble and I bet this is why he insisted that you come with me. He was in over his head and needed our help. Well, obviously, Ned. It's not because, you know, he's got a crush on the girl that you talk about all the time. Suddenly, the police arrive and Ned and Nancy are uh, mistakenly arrested. But after some talking down at the station, they finally get released. Ned and Nancy want to speak to Cassandra again, but they're not going to tell Cassandra what they suspect because she might be responsible for the accidents since she is so rude and nasty to Nancy and Ned. Well, she's rude to them because she figures that, you know, Nancy is trying to steal her boyfriend, but these two haven't figured that out yet. Cassandra's not in her room when they arrive, so Ned and Nancy take this opportunity to have a makeout session while waiting. Unfortunately, the makeout session is interrupted when Cassandra bursts in. Cassandra's not interested in talking to them and heads straight to bed. Nancy pulls out the sofa and tries to sleep but of course she can't get to sleep and hears the clock tower chime 11 times. Nancy figures that this is the most perfect time to check out the bell tower on her own at 11 o'clock at night without Ned with no source of light except a pen torch nancy lockpicks the door and finds herself in the foyer there is one door marked danger high voltage and a staircase she climbs up the top of the staircase and shines her torch around and up there what does she see but some gray threads threads that match the sweater that line was wearing when they found him below on the ground so that means that yes line was definitely up top of the tower but why Suddenly, Nancy hears two voices. They're both male, and she hears them say, No need for this. I checked every inch. There's no way anyone could tell Sheffield was up here. Sheffield meaning line, because remember, line's name is line Sheffield, like Sheffield computers. Nancy needs to get away before the people can find her, and she finds an outside ledge, which she, you know, grabs onto. But of course, it wouldn't be a Nancy Drew book if we didn't have a chapter ending which was a cliffhanger and this particular cliffhanger was saying that the ledge was creaking and that it was about to give way. Thankfully, it managed to hold out until the two men left and Nancy made it back safely. Thank goodness for that. Walking back to the dorm, Nancy puts two and two together. A mix between the grey threads and the two men talking just proves that line was actually pushed. The next morning at breakfast, Cassandra's being really rude to Nancy and makes, you know, a comment about how Nancy will end up with any old guy and is just being rude, calling Nancy, you know, a bit of a tart and that she makes her way around and Nancy doesn't get a chance to defend herself. Nancy prepares her outfit for the day, which is a pair of stonewashed black jeans and a forest green Agora turtleneck with leather boots. And Cassandra makes another comment, much better than yesterday's costume. It takes great legs to look decent in the kind of skirt you had on yesterday. It's like, okay, you're very, very rude, Cassandra. And Nancy doesn't care because Nancy knows that she has gorgeous legs. Before Nancy left, Cassandra all of a sudden wanted to talk to Nancy and said, oh, what did Lines say about an aquarium last night? And Nancy says, oh, something about a fish tank. And then we learn that the fish tank is another name for a building at the school, which looks like an aquarium because it's made of all glass chrome and concrete. Turns out that line works there so Nancy needs to check out this place now. This new information made Nancy realize that line wasn't delirious and that a man could be buried in the fish tank and that's why he needed Nancy because he knew that there was a dead man buried in the fish tank. Cassandra goes with Nancy to the fish tank and they have breakfast with Ned and afterwards Cassandra gives them a tour of the fish tank. Ned is very, very impressed, and we learned that this particular wing of the fish tank has a spa, an indoor track, exercise and weight rooms, olympic size pool, and even video games. All right, this school sounds amazing. I bet the fees would be high. I wish I went to college in America just because it seems like such an experience. University in Australia is so boring, like there's no like dorms and stuff like and if there are it's very very rare we don't have all these crazy facilities or at least i couldn't find them at my school but who knows it was just a bunch of buildings in a city like squished squished all around like the cbd we learned that the other wing has a study hall and on the second floor is the computer lab where line works They head to the computer lab and uh, introduced to Maria who works at the at the lab. She basically does the day shift and deals with students who want to book computers and line does the exact same job but at night shift (laughs) and it's really cute like Ned says oh can I like check out the lab like he looks like a kid in a candy store. And Nancy says, oh, he's a hacker, a computer nut. It's like, Nancy, you don't know what a hacker is. And (laughs) I don't imagine Ned being a computer hacker, but it seems that he's quite smart. He does recognize computer programming languages, and now he's getting excited about a whole bunch of computers. While Ned is looking around at the computer lab, Cass And Nancy head to the gym where Cass works. Nancy asks if Lyne has an office and Cass says, yep, it's right over there. Nancy walks in and it turns out it's the boys' locker room, which was a really, really mean prank for Cassandra to play on Nancy. Once inside, uh, the boys make a whole bunch of jokes about Nancy being in the locker room saying that she's pretty, you know, the usual catcalling business that happens, which is just totally unacceptable. Uh, And then Jim Pickering, the manager of the facility, leads her out. Nancy notices, however, before Jim leads her out that Jim was at Lyons Locker. What was he doing in there? Hmm, this is a bit suspicious. Also, they don't refer to Jim as Jim. They call him Pick, short for Pickering. Kath returns, makes jokes about Nancy enjoying herself in the boys' locker room. Kath seems to think that Nancy, you know, gets around a bit. Then Kath says that she can't work in the gym because she's got to study and somehow Nancy convinces Jim to Jim Pick rather to give her a job and he agrees so yeah now Nancy is working in the gym at the school which is again what a crazy coincidence just like to mention that she managed to convince Pick to give her a job because she knows her way around a gym and pulls out her membership card to the River Heights Country Club which uh was referenced in Circle of Evil which was book 16 from Membrane I might be wrong. Nancy figures that she would get Ned to check out Lyon's locker and get what was ever inside of it. She goes to find him. She finds him in the computer lab with Maria and they are laughing and flirting and whatnot. And Nancy can tell that Maria has got a huge crush on Ned. It seems every woman that meets Ned has a crush on him. Like I don't blame them. I would probably have a crush on Ned Nickerson too. I'm just glad I've got my own Ned Nickerson. On the way back to the gym, Nancy manages to t- finally tell Ned about what happened last night. And then we also learned that Maria is a computer whiz, just like Line. They finally reach the locker, only to find that the locker is completely empty. However, it was full when Pick was at it before. So who has taken everything? It would have to be Pick. It's just too much of a coincidence. He was just there, not that much time has passed. Yeah, I think it was Pick who took all the stuff out of the locker. But why? Why is Pick in uh, Lyne's locker? Ned figures that Pick has access to all the students' lockers and that he probably got the locker emptied to give all the stuff to Lyne at the hospital. I mean, that makes sense, but I'm not buying it. Next, Ned and Nancy decide to have a hot chocolate with Maria and we learn all about Lyne. That he's a computer whiz and that he had been talking about Nancy a whole bunch. As far as Maria's aware, Ned and Nancy are just prospective students trying to check it out, as well as visiting Lyon. From the looks of it, so far, we, it appears that Maria has no idea that Lyon's actually had a fall because she's all happy and hasn't mentioned it whatsoever. Then we learn a little bit more about Doc, the teacher that Line replaced. It turns out that uh, Doc committed suicide and that he was a big, like a big brother to Line. Nancy asked if Doc had been depressed and Maria said, no, he seemed perfectly fine even when Maria had seen him earlier the night that he had died. Maria tells us a bit more about Doc that he was working on a project and that he was at the computer lab around the clock and she just found it weird that, you know, why would Doc commit suicide if he was so excited about his project? Nancy asks, how do you know that he didn't finish the project? And Maria said, because Lyon's picked it up where Doc left it. She knows this because she saw Lyon have Doc's uh, like printouts and everything for the project When asked where Line got the the documents from, it turns out they were in Doc's Locker. So I guess they need to go to Doc's Locker now and see what they can find. Nancy leaves Ned with Maria so Ned can flirt with Maria and try and get Doc's Locker number. And Nancy goes back to the foyer and has a look around where she runs into Cass. Cass is hiding something under her jacket and Nancy begins to follow her. Cass gets to a car in the car park and then gets scared when Nancy yells out to her and the papers go flying everywhere. Cass quickly drives out before Nancy gets a chance to talk to her. Oh, and of course, they had to add a little bit of, oh, Cass was heading straight towards Nancy and was going to run her over. But thankfully, Nancy hid in a bush and survived. Nancy goes to gather the papers and she realizes that they are Doc's printouts or lines like Printouts rather, and that it was Cass who emptied the locker. So, yeah, it wasn't pick. I guess Cass does work at the gym. She probably has access to the lockers as well. It does seem a bit weird though. Nancy heads back to find Ned and Maria, and walking back to the room, she goes past a door that says authorized personnel only. And Nancy figures, Oh, yeah, I'm going to be staffed tomorrow. I'll be fine. As she's walking down the hall, she overhears two men talking about her. She hears her name. And she also hears Cass's names as well. It's like, find out if Sheffield talked to her and if he did take care of her immediately. She also heard them say some things that were cut off. The Sheffield boy, had it up to here, bungling, one thing after another, Evans, then Sheffield, now his locker. So I guess these people are involved in his locker things as well. And Evans, who is Evans? So mm, who could have these voices been? Why didn't Nancy poke her head around the corner and look? This was, this could have been a great clue, but unfortunately nothing really comes out of this conversation except to that now Nancy knows that people are on to her. Nancy finally makes her way back to Maria and Ned and Ned convinces Nancy to let him flirt with Maria to try and get more information out of her. And Nancy's like, yes, okay, fine, full line, whatever. Ned and Nancy decide to visit Line at hospital and as they walk into his hospital room, they see Cassandra pick up a pillow and put it over Line's head. She's about to smother him. Nancy quickly interrupts. Cassandra thinks that it's stupid that Nancy thought that she was going to kill Line because she loved him. Nancy asks Cassandra, why did you take the things out of Line's locker? And she said, so you wouldn't get them. And then Cassandra finally spills that the reason she doesn't like Nancy is because Lyon's in love with her and Nancy reassures her, no, that's not the case whatsoever. And then she becomes nice and helpful. She tells Nancy that she's in love with him, but she never gets to see him because he spends all his time in the fish tank working on the computer program. She doesn't know what type of program it is because she doesn't know anything about computer programming. They decide to have more of a conversation at a cafe and Nancy tells Cassandra that she believes that line was pushed and that someone is trying to kill him. Cassandra's like, let's go to the police. And Nancy's like, no, we can't do that. We don't have enough evidence. Plus I think Nancy wants to, you know, get all the credit for solving the mystery herself. Cass then learns that Nancy is a detective and that she is on the case and that she's going to do whatever she can to help solve this mystery. And that's why Line has been asking for Nancy because he knows that she's a detective and that Nancy will be able to solve the issue. Yay. I'm finally glad that they're at peace with Cassandra because yeah, that was just ridiculous. We need Cassandra's. Cassandra mentions that line refused to believe that Professor Evans' suicide was actually uh, suicide. And Professor Evans is actually the person who we know as Doc. And remember the guys that Nancy heard over talking, they mentioned Evans as well. So now we know that those two guys were talking about Doc because his name is actually Professor Evans. Nancy says to the group, I'm wondering, if Doc caught on to whatever the problem is and was killed for it, then Line stepped in and found out too. So then he also had to die. They figure while he's in intensive care, he's safe. But if he gets better and moved to a less watched over ward, then whoever is out to kill him might try again. They figure they need to work fast and they ask Cass about Pickering. Cass tells them that, no, not a chance. He knows nothing about computers and that he runs a tight ship and he will never let anything illegal happen inside the fish tank. They then head back to Cass's apartment to check out the printouts and to go through line stuff that she got out of his locker to see what they can find. Ned looks through the printouts and again notices that it's a computer programming language but he's not familiar with it but it is from the same one that was written on the piece of paper that they found in the saltwater taffy box. Ned wants to turn on the computer to figure it out a little bit more. Nancy plugs it in and then the computer explodes. Thankfully everybody is okay because they know that Pickering knows nothing about computers, they rule him out. However, Nancy says, no, I overheard two voices, so there's two people involved, so we can't rule him out just yet. They put their heads together and realize that the person responsible is somebody who has access to the computer lab. However, because half the student body, well, more than half of the student body, nearly all the student body is on holidays, that leaves very few people. And then they consider it might be Maria. Ned said maybe, but he wouldn't believe that she would do that to a computer. And all of a sudden, Cass remembers a man called Marty Chan. He's a previous Bassett graduate who now teaches computer science. He also worked very closely with Doc and so they organized to go visit Marty. They arrive and they realize that he lives very, very close to the bell tower and would have easy access to get in and out of it without nobody noticing. However, when he said hello, Nancy didn't recognize his voice. Marty does have a beard however he is wearing glasses so it might not be the guy she tackled the night before in Lyon's apartment. However Marty could have been wearing contacts if it was indeed Marty who tackled her. Marty hadn't heard about what happened to Line as he was in Baltimore the night before and just returned that day. He did seem genuinely concerned about Line though. They ask Marty if he can fix the computer and he says no and that this was set up intentionally to blow up as there was blasting power in the computer socket. Marty also says that he can't believe that Doc committed suicide because there was no signs at all. However, there was some changes in his personality. Something had gotten under his skin over Thanksgiving and Marty figured it was a family issue because he had just got back from visiting his sister in Philadelphia. Cass mentioned to Marty that line was working on something special and Marty said, yep, he was always trying out new ideas. He started working on that one Saturday after Thanksgiving. However, he hit a snag with it and got angry and he found that weird because Doc never got angry unless he thought a student was being lazy. So yeah, some very unusual behavior from Doc, but would this cause him to kill himself or was he killed? I'm definitely like leaning towards the fact that he was killed. There was too many things that lead to this not being an accident or, you know, self-inflicted. Nancy tells Marty, it looks as though Lyon was trying to finish whatever Doc was working on and now he's in hospital in a critical condition. What is going on here? Somebody is out to get this program. They show Marty the program and he says, no, I don't understand the language, but it will help if I had the rest of the papers. Nancy goes out to her car to get the rest of the papers where suddenly she is pinned against somebody and threatened. Now pass that stack of paper to me. Try anything fancy and you're dead. And that little girl is a promise. Nancy threw the papers up in the air and this threw off her assailant. He tried to gather them and Nancy kicks him and karate chops him and whatnot. But then she twists her ankles. Suddenly Ned runs up, uppercuts the guy and he runs off. They don't get to see who the attacker was because he was wearing a ski mask. Because of course he was. Like, how can someone just walk around in a ski mask? I guess it is winter and it makes sense that, you know, someone's wearing a ski mask in in the snow but yeah I don't know it's just weird to me. Nancy's thankfully okay after this assault and now she knows that someone is keeping an eye on them because they just appeared out of nowhere and knew that Nancy had the papers. Like what I'm thinking is that if they were inside why didn't this person just break into the trunk of the car and get the papers? I guess they weren't waiting outside that long and Nancy coming at the same time was just an opportunity time to get the papers, that's what I believe anyway. Back inside, they look at all the papers and Marty realizes that these are docs documents and not lines documents. And he can tell because they're something about password protection and that to be able to access these documents, you need to have the password. He also says that there's a bunch of command lines missing and that he believes that they are important lines um, and they're the ones that execute the program. They're basically being kept hidden because they don't want anyone to be able to get to it easily. However, they figure Doc must have found out what the lines were and was able to execute the program and he's found something that he shouldn't have found. Med suggests that the programming line that they found in the taffy box could have been one of the missing lines and Marty said, yeah, it might be, but we still need the other line to make the program work. Also amongst the documents was an invitation to an appreciation night in Philadelphia on November 25th. And then Nancy's like, hang on, didn't you say that the doc was in Philadelphia in uh, November for Thanksgiving? He's like, yep, he sure was. Doc had made some notes in the margin. There was a big asterisk besides the name Andrew Baldensburg. However, they couldn't make out anything else that doc had written. They also saw a huge number 70 with a big question mark behind it. They figure maybe that was the year he graduated, but yeah, they put the note aside and figured that it would help them later. And spoiler alert, it did help them later. The next morning, they have a brainstorming session and Maria is put into the number one spot as the prime suspect. She knows how to build a computer. She knows her way around the internal networks. And she'd also told Ned that she knows several programming languages, but like, why would Maria murder her favorite professor? And she seems like helpless and nice, but you know, who, who knows? Like you can never really know who's evil in this world. Nancy heads to check out the alumni records to see what she can find on Andrew Bledensburg. However, the alumni office is closed, so she heads to the library to check the records there, not before she is knocked out with chloroform. Nancy comes too. Thankfully, she's not tied up or anything. She just realized that someone had knocked her out to go through her tote bag to try and find the documents, I guess, but they weren't in there, so they had no luck. Getting back to the task on hand, Nancy begins to check out the Illumini records, not before Mr. Chapman comes in and asks what she's doing. She says she's just checking out the school because she's got friends that is interested in it. They briefly discuss Lyne and Mr. Chapman again says that Lyne was foolish for climbing up the tower and falling. So yeah, this is this Dr. Chapman man. So why do I keep calling him Dr. Chapman? I think because like he was introduced at the same time as Dr. Garrison. Mr. Chapman is quite the weird one. I don't know. Why is he so interested in Lyne? Nancy begins her shift at the gym and Maria comes to help and Maria sticks to her like glue. However, Nancy does manage to escape to go downstairs to check out the laundry chute as it's jammed. However, as Nancy pulled out a towel... Uh, She realized it was covering a split in the pipe and steam came rushing at her face. Uh-oh. There has been so many, like, bad experiences in this book happening to Nancy. She's been, like, attacked by assailants, like, three times now, and now she's got steam spitting in her face. Like, people are really out to get this woman. Later on, Nancy decides to go down and check the pipe and realizes that, no, it didn't like burst. It had actually been cut and that this was supposed to happen to Nancy. Like they were actually out to get her. Nancy figures that Maria was being weird, helping her in the gym and that Maria is actually in on what's happening, like in on this mystery. When they confront Maria about it, she gets really, really upset and starts crying and she says, I'm so sorry, like this uh, pipe incident was actually meant for me, not you. And Nancy's like, how do you know that? And supposedly a message popped up on her computer telling her to do it. And that she's been receiving quite a lot of messages that if she doesn't do exactly what the messages tell her to do or she quits her job, she'll be the next one to have an accident just like Doc and line. Ned calls Nancy and Maria to tell them that Lion is out of a coma and now he's just asleep so he's being moved. However, this is dangerous because this puts him in a vulnerable position. Anyone can just come and kill him much more easily now. However, thankfully, Maria looks at the program and is like, oh, this is actually my program and I made it for Mr. Pickering. Nancy then asks Cass if, uh, Mr. Pickering had ever had a beard and it's like, yeah, turns out he had, and he got rid of it like a day or so ago. So it could have easily been Mr. Pickering that attacked Nancy in Lance's apartment. Okay. So Mr. Pickering is definitely involved. He's got this program, but he's hopeless with computers. So why does he have this program? Ned also throws a curveball into it and saying, oh, look at a list of graduates here. Um, all of these people are like really top executives and they came from Basson, but there's no records of them in the school. So what is happening here? Maria decides to run the program on the computer. She knows how it works since she wrote it after all. And after typing in a bunch of commands, a blank transcripts come up as well as blank graduation certificates. It turns out that Mr. Pickering has been selling fake diplomas to high powered executives and Doc and Line had caught onto this scam. And that's why they have been killed and injured. Maria begins to wail. They buried my command on the mainframe and and then suddenly Nancy butts in and she's like, "Lion said buried in the fish tank, command. He didn't mean man, he meant command. Suddenly a message pops up and Maria follows the instructions and they realise, oh, this is going to cause a printer to print, but they don't know where the printer is. Somehow Nancy knows that the printer's in the bell tower, so they rush over to the bell tower. And in the bell tower, they find a printer with blank bassin diplomas where you put the names and then suddenly they smell gasoline and realize that they've been thrown into a trap. They're going to burn alive in this room as it catches on fire. They have the genius idea to ring the bells to cause a racket and that will cause people to pay attention and come rescue them. And of course it worked. The police want to speak to them, but they can't speak to the police just yet until they have some evidence, such as one of the printed diplomas, unfortunately, that's all gone up in smoke, so they need to find more evidence, such as the program. They figure whoever is responsible is one step ahead of them and is currently destroying the program as they speak. Maria says they wouldn't risk destroying it in the library and that the program can be reached from any computer. So they head to the administration building and notice a light is on. Whose light? None other than Mr. Chapin. So I knew this guy was a bit sus. They watch him pack a bunch of documents and a white jacket into a bag and figure that they can't wait for this guy to like finish packing before they inspect the his room, and head back to the library only to find Marty has been severely beaten up. All Marty can say is that it was a man and that he was left-handed. They realize that Mr. Pickering is right-handed. However, they also realize that Mr. Chappin is left-handed. How they know this, I have no idea. But they also learned that Mr. Chappin is really, really smart with computers and has the computer systems hooked up to his computer at home. Maria then realized that she only wrote one print command into the program, but tonight there was two. The people behind the scam had added another step. When she hit the second command, it must have signaled to Mr. Chapman's computer that the laser printer was activated. And guess what? His house is right across the street from the bell tower as well. And we also learn that Mr Pickering lives four houses down from Marty who remember also lived across the road from the bell tower. Nancy says all Chapin had to do was phone Pickering to warn him that the laser printer had been activated by someone here. Chappan comes to see who's at the computer knocks Marty out and then erases the program. Meanwhile Pickering goes to the bell tower hears everyone inside and sets them on fire. And who turned up at the hospital after Line had his incident but Mr Chapman? He didn't care about Lyne's condition. He just wanted to know that Lyne wasn't going to spill secrets about his little scam. Suddenly, Nancy remembers that Mr. Chapman was packing a bag, which included a white jacket, but that white jacket wasn't just a normal jacket. It was a jacket so he could disguise himself as a doctor to kill Lyne. The crew rush to the hospital and get there just in time as they see Mr. Chapman about to inject Line with something lethal. There's a big commotion and tackle and everything, but at the end they manage to save Line. It turns out that Mr. Chapman was the mastermind behind this entire scam. He found out that he can use Maria's program to create fake transcripts and diplomas and sell them for a lot of money. Mr. Pickering caught on and wanted in on the scam and wanted a cut of the money. So, of course, it's always greed that makes people turn evil and murder people and all that other fun stuff. The book ends with everybody having a mini little New Year's Eve party in Lion's room. He's awake and thankful finally and... Yeah, that is the end of the book. Oh, and there was just like a little weird section I wanted to mention. Is that Maria and Marty went on a date? Maria's a student, and Marty is like a professor who teaches computer science. So I think that's a little bit weird that they're going on a date. Like, I don't think students are supposed to date teachers, but I guess that was okay in the late eighties. Um, yeah, this book was okay. I. I liked it. It was a bit nerdy. I'm very much into computers. So I, I understood a lot of it all. I tried to like make it as basic as possible in this cause it's all really complex and convoluted. And I would have probably have lost you all if I was trying to explain how this program worked in the episode. I really, really miss uh, cases being held in River Heights. I feel like it's been forever since we've been to River Heights. However, the next book is definitely taking place in River Heights and it will feature both Bess and George, who we haven't had together in a very, very long time. Death by Design, we had just Bess in uh, Trouble in Tahiti. It was just Nancy. And I can't even remember the book before that. Uh, The Black Widow, I think it was. That one was just Nancy and Ned as well. As for hookups, there was no new hookups. There has been no romance in these books. It's getting quite boring. So Ned, Nancy and Bess are all on four with George on three. As for near-death experiences and incidences, there was quite a lot. They were held at gunpoint by cops. Nancy almost fell off the bell tower Nancy was almost hit by Cass in Lyon's car. There was the exploding computer. Nancy was attacked twice by intruders, people sneaking around. She was chloroformed. She was almost scalded by a steaming hot pipe and stuck inside a burning bell tower. However, I'm only going to include the almost falling from the bell tower, the exploding computer. Um, the steaming pipe and being stuck in the burning bell tower as the near actual near death experiences bringing our total from seventy five to seventy nine. Okay, thank you very much, detective. I look forward to seeing you again in the next episode, number thirty three. A danger for design. Bye, detective.